when we sing hymns and songs of praise, there's really two different types of songs that, you know, this is not the, the musical thing. I'm sure they don't teach this in music school, but, but I really think of, uh, of two different types of songs. One is singing about things that are. I mean, they just, they are true. They're already there. When we sing about our God being a mighty fortress, that's true. That's there. But then there's uh, songs that are really the things that we, they're aspiration songs. They're the things that, that we aspire or we hope to do. And, and I would say that's one of those songs. We wish, we hope, we want God's praise to always be on our lips. Wouldn't it be great if rather than gossip, rather than slamming someone else because they choose a different candidate than us, rather than telling a story or trying to make ourselves look good, or, or all the other things that we do with our lips many times that are, that are not so positive or constructive. What if we just spent a little bit more time with our lips singing God's praises? It wouldn't take away all the difficulties and hardships in our lives, in our communities, in our, in our nation, but it might give us a different perspective. And it might help the folks around us have a better perspective. So I, I think that's a great song for us to meditate on. That God's praise always be on our lips. This morning uh, we are uh, looking in the book of Acts. And so I want to invite you to take your Bible if you have a copy of God's Word. And turn to Acts chapter 3. And uh, we'll begin in verse 11. Now... Just to catch you up, if this is your, your first week here, we've been going through Acts, and we've seen the beginning uh, of the early church. Uh, God gave these disciples a commission to go and be my witnesses. He went back to heaven. They went to doing what they were supposed to do, being his witness. But they, they did wait just a second because he said, wait on the gift that I'm going to give you. And that was the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came in power upon the early disciples on the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 souls were saved. And we see that in Acts chapter 2. And at the end of that, we see the early life in the church and how that they were, they were uh, worshiping together, taking the Lord's Supper, fellowshipping together, sharing with one another uh, they were just excited about this. All of their lives was all about being part of God's family. In Acts chapter 3, uh, we see an, an incident one day, soon after Pentecost, not long, in the early church, uh, Peter and John were on their way to the temple. And so we talked about this last week. They were just there on a, on a normal trip, or so they thought. They were, they were just going to worship the Lord and there was a man who had been a cripple from birth, and everybody knew about this guy. He sat at the, at the gate called Beautiful. He sat at the Beautiful Gate, crippled, year after year, unable to make his own way in the world, and, and he would call out, give me food, give me money, help me please. And so last week we saw Peter and John's response. How they looked at him. They listened to his cry. They looked at him. Uh, they acted in the name of Jesus. And they spoke in Jesus' name. They, uh, God healed that man. And so last week we saw that that's kind of the first part of the story. And it was basically we talked about how 
you and I, uh, how we can meet the needs of a needy world, how we can respond, how we can act. So with that in the background, uh, that first part of the story that, uh, that they were healed and everything, the man was healed. So we pick up that story now in, in Acts uh, chapter 3 and verse 11. And would you please stand with me in honor and reverence for the reading of the word of God. They all rushed out to Solomon's colonnade, where he was holding tightly, and he would have been the man who was healed, where he was holding tightly to Peter and John. Everyone stood there in awe of the wonderful thing that had happened. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so astounding about this? And why look at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power and godliness, For it is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of all of our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him to life. And we are witnesses of this fact. The name of Jesus has healed this man, and you know how lame he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has caused this healing before your very eyes. Friends, I know what you did to Jesus was done in ignorance. And the same can be said of your leaders. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had declared about the Messiah beforehand that he must suffer all these things. Now turn from your sins and turn to God so that you can be cleansed of your sins. Wonderful times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord and he will send Jesus, your Messiah, to you again. (coughs) For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his prophets. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. Then Moses said, anyone who will not listen to that prophet will be cut off from God's people and utterly destroyed. Starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what is happening today. You are the children of those prophets and you are included in the promise to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, Through your descendants, all the families of the earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you people of Israel by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, for what it says to us, how it speaks to us. God, we ask that you would uh, take it and use it in our lives to help us to be a part of your uh, kingdom work. God, that we would not but God, we would be participants, Father, in what you do. Lord, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
So last week, as we began the first part of this story, we were looking at touching needs. How do we reach out and touch needs as Christians? Today, as we hit the second part of this story, we're going to talk about sharing our faith. And really, this flows naturally, or it should, out of living our faith out, out of going out and being around people and ministering to people in Jesus' name. From that, we are able to share the gospel. We are able to share and to let other people know about Jesus, what he did for us, and what he can do for them. And so this morning, I want us to think about um, some, some handles that we can get. Uh, I might call these things steps in sharing your faith or handles on sharing your faith, how, how to come to grips with it. it. It's not that this is a wooden plan that you must follow every time you witness, but some of us, if, if we, we think, well, if I had a little bit more confidence, if I knew the things that I was supposed to do, maybe it would help me share my faith a little better. And so what we're doing is just looking at this story and just seeing some of the things that Peter did that can help us when we go to share our faith. And so I want us today to talk about five simple steps for sharing faith. The first one is that you and I need to seize opportunity when it comes. Seize the opportunity to witness. Simply put, when we see that there is an opening for us to share the gospel, we take it. The Bible says that, that Peter did what he did. You know, he went to the temple. He was just going to pray. You know, he hears this man with a need. He listens to him. He looks at him. He can't give him money like the guy wants, but God gives him the ability to heal this man. So he gives him what he can give him. And he says, this is in the name of Jesus. He gives God the credit, the glory, right? And so everybody sees this, and they're in awe, and they're all gathered around. They're saying, wow, this guy is walking and leaping and praising God, and he's the same guy we know. This isn't a fake. This isn't a guy we just met. This is a guy who's been crippled since birth, and we've seen him ever since his mom laid him here at the temple at early days where he could beg. He's been doing this all of his life. This is an amazing thing. You see, God had gotten people's attention, and Peter said, it's time for me to speak. The Bible says he saw the opportunity, and he took it. There are so many different opportunities to share our faith, and these are when good things happen, when you're really blessed, when someone around you is really blessed, here's an opportunity to talk about how God blessed you. But do you know that also when really bad things happen? You know, this past week, and really a lot of what's happening in our country recently, but even just especially this past week, when we look at all the turmoil, when we look at the violence, when we look at the chaos, when we look at people taking sides once one against one another, you know, we can do a lot of things with that. We can jump in there like the rest of the world and tell everybody off and set them straight. And on our Facebook, we'll show them, right? We'll, we'll tell them how things are. We can do that. Or we can choose to take an opportunity to point out to folks, wow, this world sure isn't the way that God planned it, is it? There's some things that aren't right. Uh, why are you so upset? Well, you're rightfully upset because God put moral values within us. And when we see wrong being done, you see, you don't have to 
I, I love their, that, that little theme that says, guess what, folks? You can read people's uh, you know, opinions on Facebook and walk away and just keep your opinion to yourself. It's possible. And it's not just Facebook, but, boy, that, that shows us things, doesn't it? In everyday life, we can take situations, both good and bad, and we can choose to get all riled up and to get angry and, and stay angry and start pointing fingers and, and become an extremist. And, and, and boy, there's a lot of extremists right now. And, and you and I, though, regardless of what we feel about our political opinions and, and what we feel about the way this country goes, there, there's, I'm not saying we all have to not have opinions. We certainly should. Hopefully they're based on God's word. But what I'm saying is that when there are things that go on, big, huge things in our community, in our world, you and I have an opportunity to say, to, to say, hey, you know what? This isn't right. And we know that. And it's proof and evidence that we were created with a God who gave us a, a moral direction. Whatever the case is, good things, bad things, all in between, simply... Being aware and looking around and taking the opportunity to share our faith. Peter wasn't shoving that faith down people's throats who didn't want to hear. He was surrounded by a bunch of people that are like, whoa, God's doing something here. And they were ready to listen. And he took that opportunity. Seize the opportunity. Second step in sharing your faith is to show humility. This is where I've seen people who are theologically deep, who are passionate about what they do. They are ready to serve. They're ready to go out. They know their stuff. They know what they believe. They know how to argue, and that's part of it. This is where so often evangelism goes bad. You see, evangelism is just about, that is, the gospel, the evangel, evangelism is sharing the gospel. It is spreading good news. But good news isn't spread very well when you do it with arrogance. Good news and pride don't mix well. And so you and I have to know that, that we need to be humble when we share our faith. We need to be tactful when we share our faith. We need to be careful about the words we use and be wise about how we approach people. One thing that Peter did <clears throat> is a sign of humility. He said, why are you guys looking at me and John like we were the ones that had the power to raise this man? They, they said, it, it wasn't us. It was God Almighty. He's the one. It had been easy for them to say, hey, yeah, we're, we're pretty great. We're pretty awesome. We did healing. You know, we, we do miraculous stuff on a regular basis. That's us. But no, that's not what they did. And you and I, as we achieve, as we accomplish, as we help people in life, there, there's always an opportunity for us to say, you know, yeah, I, I'm thankful that I was able to do this. You know, God has enabled me. He's given me uh, the ability to do this. You and I ought to show that humility. We ought to be able to say to folks, yeah, you know, look, um, I don't know a lot, but here's what I do know. I, I'm not perfect by any means. 
um, but I know the one who is. You know, God's grace has worked in my life. I'd love to tell you about how it could work in your life as well. One of the best definitions for evangelism that I ever heard was one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. See, that's what we are. When we share the gospel, we don't set ourselves up as experts. We don't set ourselves up as people who are above everybody else, better than everybody else. We're simply saying, hey, I needed Jesus desperately, and I found him. And here's how you can find him too. So you and I need to show humility as we share our faith. Third, we have to speak the truth about sin. It would be easy to say, oh, Jesus is great, and, um, you know, come worship with us, and we have a good church, and it's fun, and, and, uh, and, and all those things, are, <laughs> they're all true. But sometimes, somewhere, somehow, you and I, eventually, as we're sharing our faith, we have to get to the bad news part of the good news. You know, there is, if you don't get the bad news then you don't get the good news. If you don't understand that you're a sinner, then you will never see a need for a savior. And, and you and I, as much as we share, this is good news. It's only good news in, when someone uh, grasps the bad news that comes first. And, and so you have to be able to honestly, truthfully, tactfully, in love, you have to say, this is what it is. This is reality. You're a sinner, just like I am. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. Every single one of us have messed up. And our sins uh, earn us. See, the wages of sin is death. We paid for, by our sins, a one-way ticket to hell. We paid for a one-way ticket to an eternity apart from God. That's what all of us have done. We've earned it by our choices, by our rejection of God. So when we, get, when we actually get that bad news, then all of a sudden we're trying to say, well, wait a minute, how do we get that ticket back? How, how do we stop from going that way? If we grasp the bad news, if we realize it, then we want to know how we can be saved. But until a person gets the bad news, they really don't care about the good news. It's just kind of like, eh, okay, you're religious folks. You do a Jesus thing. That's all right. Incredibly, Peter stood up in front of a group of non-believers, Jews who had not yet accepted Jesus Christ as their Messiah, and instead of saying, hey, you're good folks, you ought to come worship with us, he said, guess what? You are the people that put Jesus on the cross. The Son of God, the one that was promised that you say you've been waiting for, guess what? He arrived and you crucified him. Now, Peter wasn't saying this to get out some built-up frustration or anger. He wasn't trying to put them down. But he had to have these folks understand they needed to repent. They needed to turn from their ways of sin, and they needed to turn to God. They had to get that, or else they couldn't get the gospel. Somewhere along the way, you have to tell the truth about sin. Paul says that there is an offense to the gospel. 
We don't try to be offensive. We try to be tactful. We try to be loving. But the fact is, is the cross tells you and I that our sins are so ugly that our Lord and Savior, our Creator, that He had to go to that cross for you and I. And we have to speak that truth. So then there's the good news. We speak the truth about sin, but fourth, we share what God has done. You and I need to share that wonderful message of life, that Jesus Christ did not stay on that cross, and he did not stay in that tomb, but he arose. And you and I have the ability to share with others and to tell them, Jesus is Lord. He paid the price, and he's got a free gift for you if you will receive that gift by faith. Peter let them know exactly what Jesus had done. He let them know that Jesus had died for them. He had rose again. He talked about Jesus as the author of life that evil mankind had put down in the grave, but God had raised up. Share the good news. Share not only that good news about the cross, but share what else God has been doing in your life. You know why all this big crowd of people was gathered around? Because they saw God do something good in a man's life. And Peter said, this is a big deal. Our God is alive. He is real. He works today. He does stuff that we can't even explain because our God's an awesome God. You know why you and I, a lot of times... It's easy when we first become Christians to really share our faith or maybe we come back from, from a disciple now or we come back from a camp or we come back from a, a retreat or an Emmaus walk or a revival and boy, all of a sudden, you know, something, God did something, he worked on us, he changed our life. Maybe he, maybe he just healed one of our family members. He did something amazing and it's easy to share our faith right then. And then a lot of times we can go for a long time and it's like, you know, I'm just not comfortable sharing my faith anymore. I, I'm just, it's just harder for me to share my faith than it once was. So often it's because we've got distant from God. We were in a place where we were close to him, either when we first got saved or else when we went through this amazing event when God healed or God restored or, or God did something awesome in our life and, and all of a sudden we're telling everybody about it. But maybe we slowly, casually drift away from God. And all of a sudden, we, we kind of feel uncomfortable saying, yeah, I got saved 20 years ago. It was, it was a great thing. And we don't have anything current to talk about. We don't have anything fresh to talk about, about how God's been working in my life today or last week or last month. And so we kind of tend to step back. One of the best ways that you and I can share our faith is by staying close to God and so that we have this relationship where God is working and there's something fresh and we can tell him, yeah, I was saved five years ago or 30 years ago or whenever, two months ago, but we can also say, and here's what God is doing in my life today. In this particular situation, 
Peter didn't even, he talked about Jesus. He didn't even go into his own, well, here's what Jesus did for me, because he had a real fresh example right now. Here's what Jesus did for this man right here. Right in front of your eyes, you saw him be healed. Share the good things that God has done. Fifth and finally, you and I need to state the consequences. Or you might say, state the choices. You see, Peter paints a picture here. You might have not caught it. That was kind of a long reading, I know, and might have been hard to concentrate and catch on. But basically, Peter laid out two alternate realities. It's like, kind of like a game show host saying, there's door number one and there's door number two. But instead of it being a mystery that we, you know, figure out and we listen to the crowd and they tell us, okay, let's try door number one. No, Peter, he goes ahead and said, let me tell you, here's exactly what's behind door number one. This is that you reject the Messiah. Now, the first time you rejected him, it was in ignorance. Peter said, you didn't really understand. Your leaders didn't really understand. None of you grasped. I mean, you, you should have because he did these miracles and he taught the truth, but but your minds didn't really get it. You did what you did in ignorance, Peter said. But there's another chance. But look, if you don't take that chance, you're going to be cut off from God forever. The God that you say you love, that you say you serve, if you don't trust in his son, Jesus, there's only darkness there's only destruction ahead of you. That's what's behind door number one. But Peter said behind door number two, that door that you get to through repentance and faith, through turning away from your sins and turning to the Lord Jesus Christ, behind that door, Peter says there are times of refreshing coming from the Lord. You see, Peter's saying you've really been under God's judgment and you haven't even it, but things in your life, you've been going against him and against him and against him, and, and you're not being blessed by God, and you're not on his way, but guess what? God has got eternal life for you. He's got a relationship with Jesus in this life, and there's a day that Jesus is going to come back, and you'll be part of his children that he'll be carrying home. Peter basically says, in our day's terminology, door number one or door number two. Which one do you want? Hope it's door number two. You and I, as we share our faith, we should never leave the impression. Now, we're not pressuring people. We're not salesmen that are, quote, closing the deal. We're not trying to force someone to pray a prayer or push them to make a decision. Hey, we're not about that. But what we do need to be is honest and loving enough to say, listen, we've talked about this. You know I love you, and I'm going to love you whatever you do. But the choice you make about Jesus, it leads to two very clear and distinct paths. Separation from him, going down that path of destruction, or eternal life, in a relationship with the God who created you. Which one do you choose? Rebellion or repentance? And every single person in this world
has to make that choice. And as we share our faith, we need to un- help people understand that not choosing is simply another way of choosing door number one. Would you bow with me today in prayer? Heavenly Father, we come to you. And Lord, we have so many reasons, so many excuses for not sharing our faith, for not telling others about you. And sometimes we think we're not good enough and Lord, you know we're not good enough, but that's why we have you. Because you are good enough. And for those of us who know you, you've put your spirit within us. Lord, help us to be close enough to you that we're experiencing your work in our life on a regular basis. And we're so excited about what you're doing in our life that, God, we just want to share it with other people. We want to share with other people your grace when we're stressed out, when we've gone through death or divorce, financial tragedy, health issues. Lord, whatever it is, when we go through terrible things, God, we can tell people, we can testify how good you've been that you haven't let us go. And then, Father, in those situations where you've rescued us or you've brought us out of a valley, you've healed, you've restored. Certainly, God, may we give you credit in those situations. Lord, give us enough love for you and a close enough relationship with you that sharing our faith as we're intentional about it it becomes something so natural that we just do it Father if there's somebody in here today that doesn't know you as Savior and Lord God they've never chosen door number two They've never repented of their sins and chosen to be in a relationship with you. God, I pray that today that they would do that. Lord, for those of us who have made that choice, we've entered the kingdom of God through faith in your son, Jesus Christ. God, help us to be faithful about living out the gospel that you've given us. Bless this time of invitation, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It's time for you to respond. I'll be down front if you need prayer or if you have a public decision to make. If you have a private decision, you can pray where you are. You can come and kneel at the altar. Whatever God is calling you to do today, you obey him. You trust him. You follow him as he calls you. Would you stand?